And that is the sweet, sweet sounds of uh, Keith Emerson, Greg Lake, and Carl Palmer, better known as Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. What an amazing song from the beginning. And that's what we're doing right now. We just recorded a very special podcast uh, with uh, the great Tom Flowers of the 90s band Oleander, uh, which you guys will have coming up here shortly. But now... I'm back with my co-host, Dr. Will Wu. How are you, Dr. Wu? Excellent, excellent. Good to see you, G- DJ. Good to hear from you, Nick, and see you. It's good to see you, brother. And our heavy metal bass player, sociology major, and future registered nurse, Nick Cazono. Ah, <sighs> uh, what's up, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> see, Nick, you always get a special intro, man. I wish I once in my life somebody would intro me the way I intro you, man. It's hey, never hey, happened. Hey, never, just, hey, never. You gotta be never. on my toes with your introductions. I'm you like, do, hey, man. You do. Man, you didn't speaking know. That... Of, uh, speaking of nursing, I got into nursing school. Right? Wow! Congratulations. Woo! That is. Why are you waiting awesome. now? I wanted to know that early when it happened. I know. I know. Woo! That's, that's... That's not that's not easy to do. No, no. man. Yeah, I'm gonna be owing a lot of money, but when I graduate, but you know what? Hey, I got it. So <laughs> my uh, Nick, my department's in the College of Health and Human Services, and one of the departments in that college is uh, nursing. Oh, nice. And um, so I get to interact with a lot of nursing faculty and um, administrators, and it is a very, very solid, stable, well-paying profession. That's what they all say. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so happy work. for you, man. I really am. Yeah. I know it's competitive, like Will said, and uh, I'll have to send I'll have to find some sort of a gift and send it out to Oregon for you, man. But I, oh, I'm just I'm so happy now that like makes my night that you got in. So uh so MMA BJJ in life, I'm your host, <laughs> DJ San Marco. As we celebrate uh additional exploits, Nick did not, you know, had forgotten that he was the special uh, U.S. envoy to the nation of Kazakhstan. We reminded him tonight, uh, amongst other exploits. <laughs> there he is. Yes, number one. <laughs> Doing little nicks in there. All right. Uh, and I we're... don't even know. I don't even know the backstory to that. <laughs> There's none. I just oh, make okay. up stupid things. It's like uh, Joanna Champion, number but... one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even <laughs> even after she lost to Rose. Yeah, that's right. A year yeah. after, she was still the champion. Anyway, uh, but I got to give love to I. You know what? There can be no more hate on Joanna after uh, her oh, yeah, last war. performance because that was absolutely unbelievable. But uh, t- today, uh, at least in this show, Will, we're here to talk about something I know that you're very excited about: UFC 254. Uh, Khabib uh, uh the undefeated, 29 and 0, going up against uh, Justin Gaethje. Uh, from Northern Colorado, I believe he was a wrestler. Oh, I've lost wrestler. He was wrestler. a wrestler at Northern Colorado, and there's just you guys had some really fascinating things uh, to talk about uh, relative to the possible Connor matchup afterward. Uh, I know that kind of sounds like we're counting out uh, Gaethje, but it kind of happens when when you're dealing with someone. He's 22 and two. But anyway, uh, Will, let's let's start off with you, and can you kind of compartmentalize all the thoughts that you've had about Khabib this week uh, in the lead-up to this fight? Yeah, you had mis- messaged me a couple current events that had happened. 
One was an interview where he kind of left it semi open mm-hmm. that if like something, what were the, what was, what were the quotes? Um, the quote DJ. was when he, he said that absolutely not, that he was not going to do the ultimate fighter because he realized what a promotional opportunity that would be for Conor McGregor. But then he said, I, when he referenced fighting him again, now this is, this is, we're going back a week or so, right, Nick? And he said, I, because we spoke about it on the last show. And he said, I think the words he used were, I don't think I'll fight him again. Yes. That's, okay. That was yeah. it. So that yeah. was that. And then first take this morning. Correct. And then first take this morning, he said something along the lines of, this is what you texted me earlier, like he wasn't going to do it. He said, like he made it more definitive that he wouldn't do a Poirier McGregor. He McGregor said, uh, "I'm going to do my my best Khab- in- <laughs> incarnation of Khabib." But he said, "I have already I already finished uh, Dustin Poirier. I already finished <laughs> Connor. Uh, this doesn't give me energy to fight yeah. again. I don't have so, energy. I beat these guys already." And so they circle back around, and that's when he used the word shit. Yeah. So we're trying to parse out words. At least I'm trying to parse out his words through interviews. And English is obviously his second language. So it makes it even more unreliable to do. But I think one of the things that I mentioned to you is, uh, I don't know the guy personally, but in terms of what he does strategically, how good he is, the fact that when people say, oh, he'll fight Conor McGregor mm-hmm. for the money or Poirier for the money, no, he will not because he doesn't care. Money is not his primary motivating factor like most people. Um, he's true to his religion. He's true to his culture. Um, definitely true to his team if you've seen how he interacts with them. And I don't know the financial arrangements or anything like that. And I, I look at it as what's the Bruce Lee movie where he's going up the different um, levels oh, and he's, oh, uh, and he's Enter just, the Dragon. It, no, oh, no, no. no. Game, of death. Death. Game, Game of, of Death. Game of Death. Game of Death. That's yeah. what Khabib is. That's how I look at Khabib's career is he's just ticking off fighters. And then when he's done, peace out. I'm doing my own thing. Oh, and by the way, what are they all going to say? He's the best of all time. And that's I can't respect I I can't respect that even more. I mean, I I love that approach because what you get in a lot of high level sports is they always want to come back, and then when they do come back, and we just saw it with DC, and he's a good guy, and you wish it didn't happen to him, but if he just stopped after um, was it the Stipe. first the first, first Stipe, Stipe fight. fight, it would have been. A oh, yeah. much better story for him writing off into his yeah. uh, commentary sunset. Yeah. So what I like how he's going about doing it, and then you know our, our envoy to, to um, the Middle Eastern countries and Nick is going to be able to maybe explain this <laughs> from a, yes, from a, the from a sociocultural, <laughs> sociocultural standpoint. <laughs> but we can apply American culture and values onto him because he's devout for with his religion and his culture so if, at least from based off of the data points that i've seen and i really really like that one thing relative to the ultimate fighter one of the quotes was that i heard him say was 
the UFC could give me $6 billion, I'm not going to do this Ultimate Fighter. UFC could give me whole company, I'm not going to do. Nick, how would you, uh, <laughs> uh, given the totality of everything that's happened over the past week, uh, in light of obviously your experience in Kazakhstan and, <laughs> and, what, and, what, and what Will said, what do you think about where Khabib's headspace is at going into this? into this fight i mean as far as the ultimate fighter thing yeah i mean he doesn't he has no interest in you know being in a house or he's not really in the house or coaching all these up with his boys opposing connor's boys every day in the gym yeah just dealing have to deal with yeah connor and his entourage and being just obnoxious and everything and then being on tv like he doesn't care about that stuff like what what will said i mean you know, he's very uh, ingrained in, you know, his culture, his family, his religion. I mean, that's like his his lifeblood, his foundation. So, you know, that is a solid thing that you can't mess with. So, I mean, yeah, the money, the the, expo- the exposure for tough or whatever, all that crap, he doesn't care. Yeah, he's just like, he's just like Bruce Lee in uh, yeah, Game of Death or he's just, he's just fallen. He's, he's at the top levels you know he only has a couple more to go before he's like he just he just got past kareem so now there's not much left yeah there's not much left and everything i mean his headspace is i don't know i've i've seen a couple interviews and everything i mean the the death of his father you would think would be a uh you know an impact on the way he's approaching this fight since his father has always been you know part of his training camp and everything but then again javier mendez has always been there for him too so He's taken the reins. Obviously, he trusts Javier Mendez and and uh, sort of coaching him. And and he, he has the same team as far as his uh, Dagestani sort of uh, relatives and fighters as well. So I mean, I don't know. I think he's he's he he's probably going to be great going into this. Yeah, Nick brings up Nick brings up a fantastic point with uh, the death of Khabib's father. And if we were to say, if he was born and raised in the U.S., you think about the average child born and raised in the U.S. Um, if you knew so, if you know someone in the military, maybe you know about death and war, but you've never seen death and war at your doorstep. You've never seen death and war in anywhere near our country. Maybe you know terrorist events, those types of things, but it's not fundamental. Occurs over a long period of time in your country. And so you'd imagine he grows up in that environment. He's probably he's pro- he's probably well equipped with coping mechanisms for something like that. Yeah. When, but when we think about it from an American cultural standpoint, we might think about it as you know it could be something significant if it was you know just because we don't see what they have seen. Yeah. Um, and I was going to talk about uh, like Kareem Zidane, sort of contextualize why. One of the reasons that money's not a big thing, uh, as big a thing for him as we don't know as other people, because we don't know exactly how much money he he has. We do know that Ramzan Kandirov has invited him to um, help me out, uh, Chechnya. On a couple of occasions, he has done seminars. He has attended uh, Red Devil Fight Team events, which is uh, or uh, or Akmat Fight Team events, which Akhmat, are yeah. uh, Akmat Fight Team, which is um, his team, uh, Kadyrov's personal team. And there is what I learned from Kareem Zidane about Khabib and his situation is more than I've learned from any other analyst. 
And it's because Kareem Zidane uh, is brilliant. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's at Kareem Zidane Sports. Um, he understands the region. And there's a geopolitical component to Khabib interacting with Ramzan Kadyrov that may pay dividends in terms of politics when he gets out of fighting. It's not uncommon for fighters. Uh, Fedor has been asked to participate in politics, particularly in his heyday, and actually does have some sort of a position, uh, some sort of sports position within the government at the behest of uh, Vladimir Putin. Well, for Khabib, he could be playing a very similar role. Uh, Mirko Krokop, uh, Mirko Flipovich is actually his real name. He held, uh, he was in the Senate, I believe, in Croatia after his fighting career. So it's, I... While he was fighting for Krokop, he was... Uh, yeah, yeah, it was during the, his fight career, too. part of too. the government, yeah. too. It was, yeah. I mean, it's... As well, yeah. Yeah, because he actually was a cop uh, during, uh, at the early part of his career. So uh, Khabib yeah. may have many, many opportunities... Uh, money-making opportunities beyond MMA, and it's just not that important in his life. And I think that speaks to why he said there's no price with which he would go and uh, and put get McGregor on TV again. So I don't get that vibe that Khabib's going to go into. Maybe he does go into some sort of a political role or some sort of governmental role, but I think it's just uh, you know his 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 cultural groundings and that he just, you know, I, I think he's obviously he's financially sound in what he, from his past fights and maybe from some money from, you know, these government sort of figures that might've financially backed him during his camps and everything. And so, you know, he's fine money wise. So as far as being, you know, paying the bills and everything. So I think money's not really an issue in regards to that excessive money, I should say. But I don't know. I think he's just grounded in his, like what I said, in his, his um, faith, yeah, his faith, his his culture, and everything. And I think after he's done fighting, you know, maybe he puts on, he maybe he goes into the role of his father and you know trains the next generation of fighters or something like that. I think he'll go into something like that, or he might just kind of just go and be, you know, uh, sort of back into his culture and be a, a great father, great family man, and sort of maybe a good ambassador for the sport and everything. Yeah, I mean, they, there are uh, governmental, and I think that's what Fedor was. There's some sort of government, governmental sports ambassador roles. So I may be totally wrong. He may not be go into politics, although I'm sure if the president of uh, Dagestan asked him, yeah, if Kadyrov invites, invites you to come, I think you should go. Uh, because it would look very poor on our behalf. Oh, but yeah, yeah but post-career, I could see him being some sort of an ambassador of sports, especially with their uh, their uh, combat sports program, because, you know, they have that master of sports program and all that, which is like judo and um, what's the other discipline? Um, help me out. Sambo. Sambo. Right, yeah. right, and wrestling and all that. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he were running something like that. But let's get into the fight realm of it, uh, starting with uh, the doctor. And will uh, so Justin Gaethje comes in as a wrestler out of Northern Colorado, who hasn't really used his wrestling since the very huh. early days of his career, pre uh, World Series of Fighting, um, and a guy who has become 
an expert at the the leg kick, the calf kick, specifically. Uh, he's something of a knockout artist. He's extremely durable and tough. Um, is this the guy that you think that will give Khabib a test? Is he the guy to beat Khabib? How do you how do you size these guys up? Let me begin with a question. Okay. All right. Answering a question with a question. That's good. <laughs> has, <laughs> has anyone in Khabib's career altered what he wanted to do? Altered what altered what Khabib essentially wants to do in a fight? One guy. There was a guy okay. named Gleison Tibau, uh, uh -huh. who I had met and seen in Brazil. He was huge. <laughs> About to say, he, how big was that guy? In huge. Real life? He was probably in the 180 range when I saw him in Brazil, and he did test positive for juice, <laughs> and and that was before USADA was testing UFC athletes. So it would not surprise me if he were on the juice when he fought Khabib. He was the, able to stop him, but he still lost the fight. You know? But the net result is he basically he has a strategy. Everybody knows what the strategy is, and he's going to get to the positions that he wants anyways. Yeah. So I, I look at that, and I'm like, okay, who has stopped him? And then you know, he's fought wrestlers and um, all that good stuff in the past. And then I was super curious about Justin Gaethje's prior matches in terms of how he went into it and his strategy and how he developed over time um, after, you know, after his collegiate wrestling career. And surprisingly... He doesn't fight on the ground. Right. It's all stand-up. There was one, I can't, I don't know if it was a UFC fight or not, uh, but there was one fight where I can't remember. We were, GJ and I were talking about this. Was it a was it Millwood or something like that? But what weight class do we remember? I oh, don't it was Ty Tyron Woodley or was it no, no, oh no, no. it was a really early fight. It was a, was um, a Gagey fight? Yeah. No. It was Michael Johnson. No, it was Caucasian guy. Well, but Fourier? maybe we'll figure. No, it was even earlier than that. But anyways, first round, guy has Gaethje's back and is on his back. Um, and Gaethje's not getting out, right? Being, probably yeah, you told half, me about that. Yeah. Half the round. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that saved Gaethje, Gaethje ends up winning that fight um, because he devastates him with some leg, leg kicks. But the only thing that saved Gaethje from that fight was the bell. Um and if there's no bell, he probably loses that fight. But if you look at anything else, it's very, he doesn't fight on the ground. He does say something interesting that I like a lot. He said this on the Joe Rogan experience was they were talking about leg kicks and there's, he's saying, oh yeah. And one of the strategies um, that he's going to defend against uh, Khabib is he's going to use leg kicks. And Gaethje said out of his mouth is like, I will never kick above the knee. And then his coach kind of corrected him a little bit. Okay, maybe blah blah. But his yeah, you don't want to tell. Yeah, you don't want to tell Khabib. Oh, I'll go for an ankle pick then. That's fine. Yeah, his, strat <laughs> his strategy. And then they they made some pretty good comments about how when he gets his single, like he'll push him up against the cage to get a single. So he's going to try to avoid the cage and those sorts of things. Um, and he is an American college wrestler. But I just always go back to Khabib always gets what he wants. And then when I think about that and I go, okay, then what does Gaethje have on his back? And his strategy <laughs> when he's on the ground is to get back up. So is everybody else's that fights Khabib. <laughs> well, yeah, and, 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 you know, I kind of wonder about Except Ferguson. Tony. 
if we ever saw, yeah, if we ever saw that Ferguson matchup with Khabib, would he stay on the, his back and, you know, sweep or submit, or would he use his jujitsu to get back up? Like we will, I guess, I don't know if we'll ever know that. Um, I think we but, will. I think but we, we know, we know that Gaethje's not, he's going to want to, he's going to want to get up as soon as he possibly can. And so while the Gaethje Ferguson fight, Gaethje's hands were just so accurate and at the same time powerful. Um, I don't know if did Tony Ferguson other than the, other than the, in a Imanari role late, late in the match or in the fight, was there anything he did to get it to the ground at all? Cause no. I, don't, I don't remember that. Um, if that actually feeds into the narrative that, and I'm, I'm this isn't my turn. I'm still going to go to Nick, but what we've been talking about the past three shows will, where we've talked about a fighter didn't do a thing to shift the paradigm for what was going wrong for him. Tony never initiated a clinch. Tony never went for a takedown. Tony never tried to put it against the cage and slow down Gaethje. And, and they're all the options that opened up when, when you have someone pressed against the cage. He was happy not to engage with any of those, and we saw the result. Nick? I mean, yeah, For as far as the Tony and Gaethje fight, I think Gaethje did things that kind of nullified all those things that you mentioned, um, DJ. You know, I mean, Gagey was too far for for uh, Tony to to get close for a takedown and do those Imanari rolls. I mean, Gagey was cracking him with these, you know, these with his hands that he couldn't really maybe get close enough to for a clinch to maybe use his elbows and everything like that. You know, which nullifies a lot of his tools. I mean, he's got great jujitsu, but if he can't get close to the guy, that's your jujitsu's not effective at all. And and if you have great elbows and everything but you can't clinch with the guy it's kind of hard to get those going as well so i think you know gagey's in that fight was was able to subdue all those things now is he going to be able to do that against khabib who, who knows but i'll tell you this i've i prior to this uh to this episode i watched i was watching a couple uh gagey interviews and everything he was on morning combat with brian campbell and move thomas and he, he did a couple other interviews but i watched a couple and he's full of confidence, man. Gagey's full of confidence. He knows where he stands. He knows that he's an underdog. He knows people are counting him out. But, you know, like a cliche story, it's kind of fueling him to to kind of, you know, upstate, not upstage, but just ruin the party and everything. So I like his confidence. I, I like that he's just, he's very primal in his approach. Like he mentioned, like, you know, has Khabib never felt bone on bone sort of like collision? He's never been hurt. You know, I mean, Gage is willing to die out there and just to put it all on the line. He's got a little bit of Rocky Balboa in him. Oh, yeah. I love it. So, and then Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas, they're just like, oh, we're pumped. And it made me pumped too. So I'm excited. I, I like it. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm, I have a certain level of excitement too, simply because we haven't seen the matchup. So there is that mystery. Relative to the Gaethje uh, and Tony fight that, first of all, Dustin was super duper impressive in that. With Tony, he did have parts of a round. He actually did hurt Gaethje in that fight. But a clinch is something that is always there unless – oh, Brian Cobb, World Series of Fighting. Thank you, Will. That was uh, the, guy that, the guy that took his back. Um, but uh, – Tony, the, a clinch is kind of always there unless somebody's footwork 
and circling is so incredible. And that's what kind of makes Israel Adesanya a little bit difficult to track down. But Tony really didn't try anything like that. And that's what disturbed me is that he was prepared to go out there and fight one way. And when that way didn't work, he didn't have way number two. Uh, by the time that Eddie brought up the Imanari role, Tony was seriously compromised. Uh, his head was scrambled. He had absorbed a number of strikes, and there was no chance that he was going to land uh, a ridiculous Imanari role at that point in the fight where he was literally fighting on his heels at that point. So it would have been nice to see Tony do that. I'm not saying that he was going to win because I think Khabib himself this week said, and I heard this yesterday when I was going for a jog, is that he said, this uh, Tony, he do two weight cut. Uh, he do cut uh, two week, three week prior for no reason. This is very stupid. There is no reason for do this. <laughs> and um, I... Pretty good impression, actually. And I will admit that at the time, I thought it was total G, total gangster, that he did it, and Cormier said that. You remember Cormier said it to Ariel? But oh, yeah. it, but I, I have to agree. Now, knowing the result on Monday morning quarterbacking, it was dumb. Because Tony looked pretty flat going in there and uh, doing two weight cuts inside of, what, four weeks? Not a good idea. So, um, so yeah. So that was Tony. We'll see how he's going to – I think – Khabib will still give him an opportunity should he win his next fight. I think that's going to be the one because I don't think George. So uh, let's make our picks, but I want to ask you guys about the whole thing with George. I think we touched on it, but just give me a pick real quick, Will, and then we'll oh, go I'm to you, with, Nick. Oh, on that fight, I'm going with Khabib. Okay. By Is he going to tap him or is it going to be a five-round decision? I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go with oh man, that's gonna be a tough one. I know where you wanna with, go. I'm just gonna go with a first thought. I think it's gonna be a submission. I know okay. And you're thinking third round, right? I'm with you. I, I yeah, think that's what's gonna happen. Something along those lines, yeah. Nicholas. Gaethje's not gonna go out like no bitch. Oh, he ain't gonna go out that. no bitch, man. Oh, Gage, baby. Born in the USA. Oh, I he's going to feel, Khabib's going to feel that, <laughs> that bone on bone collision. It's going to be like a car crash. You know, you know what's Khabib's that? He's never going to feel He's He's going to be like, oh, what is this? I never felt this in my leg before. Oh, it's hot. I've never if felt that, this. If that does happen, you know how foreign that will look? <laughs> it, will, it will look like. Nuts. When, nuts. Yeah, when you see the, when you saw the. When you saw Mike Tyson in the Buster Douglas fight, yeah, yeah. it will be and like my, that. You're, you're just going. This does not compute, right? I mean, we never saw. We never saw. Lomachenko it. just lost. Oh the, yeah, the biggest. You know, I didn't think that was going to happen. That's a great point. That's a great analogy. I think the biggest problem for Dustin because I believe if Khabib did stand in front of Justin, and I don't think he can absorb a lot of those calf kicks. I think I think Justin would take his leg out. And Justin um, hits. He's the hardest hitting. Absolutely. The problem, let me just give you the technical problem. The technical problem is that when you want to throw any sort of a leg strike, you have to either be stationary or able to step into it and move forward and, and turn your hip. When you're backing up, 
And if you go out and you yeah. watch the Barbosa fight, oh, it's yeah. going to look just like Hard. that with a different placement, right? Because yeah. Barbosa kicks you just above the knee in the Charlie Horse area, and then Justin loves to target that calf, which is amazing. But you need to be able to plant your feet to throw that, and when you're moving back because you're afraid to get taken down, that's where Khabib's going to get you. So I'll say, I'll say this as well. I mean, all this talk about Justin's wrestling – and he has a very good, you know, a wrestling background, and he's a high-level collegiate wrestler. It's going to be interesting to see how good it is in this fight because we we've never really seen it. You know, I mean, like, like what you said, Will, the uh, the Brian Cobb fight in World Series of Fighting, and everything you saw maybe a bit of his groundwork, but it, you know, what? it if if it if what if if what um, Justin Gagey is saying is true that you know his wrestling is great, which I'm sure it is, but if it's really that great and it could transition well into this fight, it's, it'll be interesting to see if it will be successful. And it's a big question mark, at least in my eyes, on how good his wrestling will be in this fight, since we, there's not really a whole lot of film or tape on his wrestling because he's primarily, you know, a striker. And there's two things that happen when you when Khabib's clinch game does two things. One, it has you defending, and then let's go all the way back to the George St. Pierre, B.J. Penn, Greg Jackson um, game plan for that oh, yeah. fight, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is when we tie up, we have an overhook, we have an underhook, and we're wrestling and we're digging against the cage, and all that blood pumped yep, into your blood, arms, yeah. and now you can no longer, um, you can the the, the snap, the snap isn't on the there. end of those punches yep. like they would be when you're when you're standing in the middle of the cage, yeah. allowing a cardio based fighter to move around and snap punches and kicks at you. And that's how I think – so I don't think – I agree with Will. I don't think uh, Justin will have the steam on his punches, and I think it's going to be probably a third-round submission, uh, particularly if uh, Khabib is able to get his back the way that Brian Cobb did. Yeah, that's a good point, but I did – you know, I don't know if you saw the embedded footage for mm -hmm. UFC or whatever. So, I mean – and then even the countdown where or Justin brought in his old wrestling coach from Colorado mm -hmm. and everything, and they said, like, you know, he was more of a – Justin was more of a folk-style uh, mm -hmm. wrestler, which I'm not – I don't know that much about wrestling at all. But apparently, you know, it's a lot of sort of athletic sort of scrambles and funky kind of angles and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see – that style kind of be implemented, you know, against the Khabib where I don't think anyone's trying to tried any like kind of funky scrambles and this and that. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe Khabib will just snatch him and just all that sort of scramble ability will be gone. But I mean, seeing him sort of wrestle with his coach in this hotel room in Abu Dhabi, and then him just like being super sweaty and just doing all these sort of uh, scrambles and everything. I don't know. It implants, an idea that, hey, you know what? He might be able to sort of to, scramble and get back to his feet if he gets taken down. To be his... fair, Nick, to be fair to Justin, um, Khabib hasn't really faced a great wrestler. Now, all of you are going to go, well, Abel Trujillo was a Division three All-American. Yeah, I don't care because, <laughs> no, I don't care if he was a Division one All-American. And the reason I don't care is because he didn't wrestle. When, when Abel Trujillo was in the cage fighting, he did not use his wrestling. He, he fancied himself as a knockout artist and a striker. 
He was not a wrestler ground and pound guy. So yes, Khabib ragdolled him, but he never really mixed his martial arts that way. And we could name off 10 different wrestlers that are like that. Okay. So I, you know, it, it's fair. Khabib has not faced a top flight wrestler like that guy. Tell me the name of that guy that I wanted to fight him. Uh, uh, Nick, who was the, the guy that lost to Kevin Lee? Oh, oh, um, uh, Gregory Gillespie. Yeah. Now, Gregor Gillespie wrestled at the same college as Josh Koscheck, four-time All-American. I think he was maybe a three-time champion. He's His amount of – his losses in college were like single digits or, or something. That's insane. Yeah, it was something like two losses in all of college, something stupid like that. Gregor has a motor that was just beyond belief. So I would have liked to see Gregor, but – Gregor didn't take care of his end of the bargain. He didn't put himself in position to get this fight. So, and nor did Kevin Lee. And now Kevin Lee, I think, is at 170. So, all right. So you're picking your your final pick, with Nick, because we didn't get that is. Gagey, Gagey, third round TKO. Give me some Bruce Springsteen born in the USA. <laughs> in the USA. <laughs> all, right. all right. So third round TKO. Third round TK. Okay, you got that marked down, Will. <laughs> got it. Got it marked down. There's a there's a vegan meal coming our way. Okay. Ooh. Malnati's uh vegan pizza. All right. So uh, um so the only other fight I want to talk about is Jared Cannonier versus uh Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker. Jared Cannonier has been called by Israel Adesanya a beautiful man, unquote. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I like the fact that he loves crystals, but he also loves Trump. So it's kind of weird. Uh, Jared Cannonier, uh, Alaska guy, uh, works on um, actually aviation navigational aids. Uh, I don't know if he's actually still working or not, but he's moved. He's in another camp now. Do you know where he's in camp, uh, Nick? He's not in Alaska anymore. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what kind of camp as what Will would say, he's is. down in the lower 48, but I, we don't know where. Um, so uh, Jared Cannonier, who has just uh, been electric at lightweight after losing to Glover Teixeira, uh, pulling guard or something like that on Glover Teixeira, not a good idea. Being on the bottom of him, not a good idea. Uh, his top game is just ridiculous. So uh, he's he's run off a string of wins going up against Robert Whitaker, who many people believe that the best uh, years of his career are over after two vicious fights with UL uh, Romero. So, Nick, uh, let's start off with you. Um, how do you see this fight going? And this will be our last fight we're going to review for this card. I mean, I, Robert Whitaker, great fighter. I, I really like him. Just you know, as a personality as well, but Cannoneer, I think is I think on the up and up in his career. Not to say Robert Whitaker is going downhill or anything like that. I think he's still a very skilled fighter. But I have to go with Jared Cannoneer. I think the last couple of times I've seen Robert Whitaker in there, and this could be you know a, a sort of a relevancy sort of bias that I have, but he hasn't really looked that. I don't know that sharp as far as like what what he brings to the table. I mean, he likes to dart forward, throw his strikes like a karate style type of striker. He's got a really great wrestling game that I think is really underrated. And it might aid him yeah. in his fight. Yeah. But um, 
I don't know. His fight with Till, it was very, and Till's a great fighter, but it was very neck and neck and everything. But I think with Cannoneer, just his athletic ability and his man. power, yeah, I think, I think he'll, I think he could catch Robert Whitaker. And I think just seeing that footage of how Izzy kind of beat him, and granted, you know, uh, Jared Cannoneer is not Israel Adesanya by all means, yeah. but I think there's a lot of holes in, um, <laughs> And Robert Whitaker's game that leave him open for Jerry Cannonier to just really connect. If that guy connects on you, it's game over. So I have Cannonier winning. That yeah, one. he he really is impressive. Will, how do you see this fight going? He dropped the Cannonier dropped down a weight class, right? He Two did. weight classes. He used to Two be heavyweight. He was in heavyweight, yeah. And so this is a tough one because the the power is going to be very dif- differentiated in this particular one. But I'm going to go with. Whitaker, because I think he's going to learn his lessons from his previous fight and be a little bit multi and show his skills. And then he's going to be able to, um, in some way, fend off the one-punch power of Kamir. So I'm going to go with Whitaker. I think it's because he's at Gracie Humaita. I think that's why you're picking him. So, <laughs> so yeah, Whitaker, Whitaker really, I mean, it's a shame now that, that in some areas the sport moves so fast because Whitaker – uh, obviously, was a striker. He actually, back when he was at welterweight, he had a really nice boxing game. Now, as Nick said, he kind of has a little bit of a karate style. But I, I've seen his boxing game was sweet back oh, in the day. I, I used to think, man, he and Bisping would be so such a jam and fight. And then um, he really, really worked on his wrestling and his jujitsu, and spent a lot of time at Gracie Humaita in uh, New Zealand. So very, very interesting fighter. But, yeah, there are guys that have just passed him, and I have to agree with uh, Will. I think the beautiful man, uh, Jared Cannonier, uh, has a lot of power. He has great submissions. Um, his wrestling is, is good. And I kind of Nick mentioned athletic ability. I, I do think he's a little bit. I know Will hates bit, that term. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have to watch myself. Yeah, be careful, be now. careful, man. You are gonna learn some motor control, mother. <laughs> so um, be a bit better. He, he yeah. has better what fast, fast, fast twitch muscle fibers. I don't, I don't know. I think he's, he's got explosive. more speed power. Do you think he has more speed power? I think he has more speed power. Yeah, he's just yeah. he From does. What I've seen, I think he does too. And I, I really do think uh, Robert suffered under the weight of the two fights with Yoel Romero. I mean, that's it's a big hill to climb. So uh, that's all I have on this fight. Uh, Bellator also has a great fight going on with Douglas Lima taking well, going Lima up fighting? to take on George, uh, excuse no, me, Gegard Musasi right? at uh, light at um, middleweight. So nasty! Oh man, Douglas Lima, nasty leg kicks. Well, oh my God, the oh, dream. We love watching it. The dream matchup, really, in in the sport for this weight class would be. Douglas Lima versus Jorge Masvidal. This would well, be, be insane. Oh, insane. Man. So Douglas Lima is nasty. He stopped people with leg kicks. I, I can't remember who it was, but he has stopped people with leg kicks. He's well, nasty. The way he knocked out uh, Michael Venom Page. He hit that low leg kick. Oh, and then yeah. He just like fell, and then he just threw Lima through that uppercut. And yeah, just, and like, just blasted him, man. It was just like Mortal Kombat style. You just saw his head just like. Go up in the ceiling. It was nasty. It was nasty. It nasty. Was, nasty. It was brutal. Yeah, Douglas Lima is nice, but I. But unfortunately, when you're going up against a guy, when you talk about Gegard Mousasi, and will, this guy has been conditioning 
with Dutch kickboxers in Holland for his entire adult life, pretty much. He has been leg kicked by the best of them. So that weapon, which I think uh, Douglas Lima could use to take out a lot of people, I don't think will be as effective against Musasi. He knows how to check. His legs are conditioned. He throws his own leg kicks very well. And he also has a really good boxing game. And his uh, he can wrestle and his his top game. I mean, he's fought Jacare twice. Yeah, he's a very yeah. well-rounded fighter. He's a seasoned veteran. And honestly, he... He 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 um had you know he had some disputes with UFC, but I mean he could still if he was still in the UFC, I don't know. Okay, How did he do it in the Jacare fights. Uh, the, the one, only the first the only one he I've... won by up kick. The second okay, one I think dream. he lost. That was in dream. The second one I think Jacare won. Okay, I've I only seen Jacare him fight him once. Down. Yeah, and it was yeah. when he fought Lovato. Yeah, I, there's a yeah. whole steroid. Yeah, yeah, Lovato's he got controlled by Lovato, which I was surprised yeah. with because usually Musasi, he has this very, another very level. good ground game. That's another level, that's, man. That's, that's another yeah, level. There's levels because I was yeah. surprised how Lovato just controlled him because usually Musasi, you know, he he fought Jacare and like Jacare never really controlled him as well as Lovato did. What's so, that? What's that cat again? We mentioned last fight again. The guy. Who's the guy that looks like that Felipe talks about that looks like an Adonis, the light heavyweight guy? Uh, Adolfo. Adolfo. Right? Well, you've heard him talk about Adolfo Vieira? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's levels. If he gets gets a top position on any of these light heavyweights, it's it's over. It's, yeah, it's just, and and, and Rafael Lovato Jr., I mean, his... Jiu-jitsu is just too high of a level for it. And Mackenzie Dern, I mean, he could go on and on with, you know, in most well, Lovato, cases. Lovato also, before he did jiu-jitsu, he was doing, I don't know if it was karate or taekwondo of some yes. sort, but he was yes, doing some type of striking martial arts before jiu-jitsu. So it's not like he just started striking no, uh, he, when he turned when he turned MMA. He's oh, not, he has a, no, Lovato. No, uh, Lovato, Lovato Jr. Yeah, 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 he did have a karate. He has a heart condition background. now, so he's retired. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, the guy, the guy's nasty, and there's there's no doubt in my mind he would have been champion uh, had he not had the heart condition. But I think his doctor told him uh, this he did could win be the championship though. Oh, uh, what was he, he titled? He beat yeah. Oh, but I mean, he could have won like in even in the UFC. I think he would be. I mean, he it's a guy like Adesanya or somebody like that. Man, Lovato Jr. was very crafty. If he got his hands on you, I mean, did you see him tap like Henry Gracie? Or was it uh, here on Gracie? I mean, he's nasty, man. Very nasty. Was that or no? No, he tapped Chiron. He tapped Chiron. Yeah, and Metamorphs. Oh, I would yeah, say, I would yeah. say yeah. though, I think when Lovato was champion, I think um, when he became champion mm-hmm. and with the worlds or whatever, I forget which uh, tournament it was. I think my uh, Dan Dan Lucart at the time said like, I think a bunch of guys were injured. Like uh, all these high level guys were injured. So. He had his 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 view on Lovato was a little different. I mean, he obviously it's still high level, but you know, it's still high level. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he I I mean <clears throat> the level that he's at. Well, like I said, he tapped Chiron Gracie. I mean that, you know, in the great yeah. in the modern Gracie family, that guy, you've seen his guard, Will. You've seen him compete with other black belts at the gym. Chiron is is Chiron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's crazy, Nick, because he uh, Chiron will come in and train with Philippe, 
and um, Philippe de la Marca. It gives and, him a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, I'll, I always watch. We always say Philippe's in the Matrix. But, you know, I'll, I'll, when I'm done, I'll watch them roll. And if they're wearing the same colored gi, I can't understand what's going on. I don't know where their legs are, and I can't understand what's going oh, on. It's nuts, yeah. It's a, uh, I guess, you know, people speak in tongues or whatnot. It's like yeah. they're doing jujitsu in tongues. I don't understand what it is. <laughs> Chiron is, he's just, he's a little bit of a bugaboo for Felipe. He just has a style, and his guard is just very, very difficult for Felipe. Everybody has that. All these great jiu-jitsu guys have that guy. You know what I mean? And I think Chiron's just that guy. You know, his just his guard is nasty. He's very long legs, like his father. Who do you see going back to the Douglas, Lima, and Musasi fight? Who do you, who do you have in that one, DJ? I have, I, I mean, I guess I have Musasi based on the, the size and all that, unless he's just lost too much of a step. I mean, and, he's going you know, up in, to middleweight. And yeah. Musasi's yeah. actually, he's fought at light heavy before, so... Yeah. bigger guy would probably be Musasi, but I don't know. I'm a I'm a huge Musasi fan. I love Musasi. I'm Dude, all about that, uh, just to give you an idea, just for Will, like I don't know if he's ever heard this anecdote, but George St. Pierre was vacationing in South Beach, and I think he checked Twitter, Instagram, or something, and saw that Musasi was in South Beach, and he's like, I like I want to fight. Can we find a gym? Because I want to just go and train with you. So that yeah. gives you an idea. This is when George St. Pierre was still champion. So that gives you an idea of the respect that Musasi has around the world. Musasi is so. almost like a Khabib too. Like he he he's just like I just want to fight the best. I want to get paid, but he's he's very like straight faced. Oh yeah, no, there's you nobody. Know, like, no, he's not scared of. There's nobody you could put in front of him. Yeah. Someone said the, the Irish guys were joking with him like. And I heard Connor like like he might be out to get you if you come to Ireland. He's just like you know totally laughing like like there's the the least bit of fear that he would have in staying in front of Connor McGregor. It would be absurd, you know. Yeah, so. he's like, why is lightweight picking a fight with me? I'm a middleweight. <laughs> oh yeah, just that's just Musasi. He's just yeah. He's he's a monster as far as he's concerned. He says yeah. He goes I love to watch Adesanya. Of course I would like to fight him. And for most of us normal people, would be like, "Oh my God, I wouldn't want to be in this standing in the ring getting styled on by by Israel Adesanya." But he was one of those fighters where he was still in his prime, and then he just did, couldn't come to terms with the UFC, so he went to Bellator. It wasn't yeah. like he was on his way out, washed, no. you know, washed or whatever. And then no. like you know, Bellator snatched him. It was like, "Nah, sorry, UFC is not paying me what I want." Beltra's pay me more. Peace. I'm out. So. And the thing you like about him, Will, like when he lost to, I think, Jacare, I think he got tapped in that second fight. He doesn't yeah. like make excuses and like, he's just like, okay, yeah, I lost. Except you know? for the yeah. Lovato fight. <laughs> Lovato fight was like, yeah, he's on yeah, on Oh, he thought he was, was on steroids? That was characteristic of him. Yeah, he was like, you see this guy? Yeah. You see you see the before and Yeah, after I remember two? that. That, that like, is out of character for Musashi. He's on steroids. I was like, yeah. come on, Guy Garbage. That's probably what he thought, though. Maybe he hasn't rolled with somebody like Musasi, man. He I mean, probably thought that. Fair, or it was just sour grapes, man. Yeah, you know? but I've never Ever. seen him react like that. I've no. never seen him react like that in a loss. That is really yeah. out of character. But he's a great, hey, great guy. You re you remember what I say about that stuff. What's that? PEDs. PEDs. <laughs> oh, man. Skittles. Where's Luke Thomas? I know that is amazing. I love. I I just love watching it. You know, when you see someone on the level of a Lovato, and you see an artist on the level. You know, if it were leg kick, somebody like a Melvin Manhoof, 
or just an like a all specialist. Around, yeah, like, or an, yeah. or an all-around guy like Musasi who yes, he can be had by a a guy who's dominant in one skill, but man, a lot of guys would love to have an all-around game like Musasi. Yeah, Musasi There's not that many guys the, like that. The best well-rounded games. Yeah. In, in in MMA, you know, but yeah, he's got some great hands and everything. But yeah, I don't know, I feel like the specialists in MMA have I've almost kind of gone downhill and you almost have to be well-rounded it, the, the 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 meta for mma right now is you have to kind of be mo- a well-rounded fighter but then have excel in either you know a wrestling or jujitsu or or your you kickboxing so it's cool to see like you know a, a Mackenzie dern and yeah like a guy like lovato or or rodolfo as well khabib, like rodolfo uh, khabib, oh my God, yeah man. khabib's like yeah or gillespie those type of fighters, you know, are are kind of few and far between in today's modern era in MMA. So it's cool to still see them. Hadolfo Vieira gets a person down, mm-hmm. and you start looking at your watch, and you're like, 10, 9, 8. And by the time you get to one, that person is tapping from an arm triangle. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> yeah, my Dan Lucart used to when he was, uh, I guess, still really competing mm-hmm. quite a bit. I think as a brown and purple, he used to he used to always go to Hadolfo's gym. And he's like, I'll just come back with a black eye every time he would roll with this guy. He was like, my wife would be like, what happened? You get in the fight? He's like, nah, I went to Hadolfo's. I guess he would just drive his head into your face and, you know, just bust you up. (laughs) Pressure. Yeah, the pressure. Yeah. I mean, and that's why our boy from um, our boy, uh, you know, what's his name again? The brother, uh, Victor and the other cat. Estima, Braulio yeah, yeah. When Braulio fought him, man, I mean, he didn't even want to engage with that dude, man. He went to a worm guard. He spent. He grabbed a hold of the bottom of his gi, uh, his his uh, gi lapel at the bottom. What weaved his foot through there, and that was it, man. That the, the entire fight was that. Hold on for dear yeah, life. Yeah, hold on for dear <laughs> life, man. Because if this dude gets on top, woo! Because remember. Felipe, I don't know what's the move that Felipe shows that he likes of Hadolfo, but I know there's one of them. So, anyway, all right, we don't want to bore you guys with stories about Hadolfo Vieira. Um, guys, uh, we'll come back and talk after the fight, and then uh, let's work on uh, who we want to have on next. Uh, Kareem Zidane, please come on with us and talk about Khabib. I got cool. I, I to gotta reach out to Kareem. I also got to get ready for tomorrow. Um it's been a real pleasure, guys. What a night. Will, yeah. Will's doing the Richard Nixon. That means his family's calling. All right. Um, thank you so much, Will. Thank you, Nick. Um, it's a pleasure. If you want to reach Nick on Twitter, it is at Eats Thrash, which has a heavy metal connotation. Will, I'm Thrash. Twitter is toxic. Yeah. Will, I would love – well, it could be thrash metal. Uh, Will, I would love you to get a Twitter just so that uh, you could reach out and – I do have one. You do? I do have one. All right, and it is. Oh, he's not Coach DJ. (laughs) 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 Coach DJ. Does it have a photo of me too? (laughs) Coach DJ San Marco. All right. (laughs) Coach DJ San Marco. All right. We're not prepared to give out your Twitter yet. No? Or we could get a separate one just for MMA. 
because you can have multiple. Yeah, or accounts. you could just send all the stuff you want to talk to, say to me, to Nick or DJ, and but people people want to see your cutting commentary, your incisive <laughs> commentary. So anyway, all right. I'm always on MMA Twitter, so you know I'll. I'll oh my God, I'll, Nick I'll is the torch. Nick Thank is you, Nick. so present on MMA Twitter. I am at MMA underscore BJJ. Underscore Nick is nice and patient. If 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 I were on, I would just block the living daylights out of people. Oh uh, no, Nick, <laughs> I mean Nick doesn't. When you don't bring that energy, I rarely. I don't see anybody give you a lot yeah. of shit. Well, right I no. I don't really follow people that are like. You yeah, know, toxic people on there. So I kind of filter who I follow. I follow quite a bit of people, but yeah, I just kind of minimize it. Yeah, and and I don't really get into it either. The only people I've gotten into it with on Twitter are people that are hating on LeBron James. What's up, Will? <laughs> oh, they're just miserable people if they're doing that. They're they're LeBron haters. They're they're missing out on the chance to fully observe and embrace basketball. Giannis Antetokounmpo, come see Will Wu. Come oh, to the Lakers, baby. That's gonna be a log jam at the come floor. On, that's man. gonna be a log jam at the floor. I will, I will find a spot for for Giannis, man. He'll but be maybe he can play the three. He'll well, play. Actually, he'll play for, wherever he wants. We'll put Anthony at the five, Giannis at the. Excuse me, Anthony at the four, Giannis at the five, and stick with Kuzma in there and let him earn his money, and at the three. <laughs> so, anyway. Nick. It'll be an interesting offseason for the Lakers. Oh, I can't wait, man. One love to LeBron. Check out Nick at Nick Wright from Fox Sports if you want to get all the takes on LeBron. He's oh, got the LeBron best takes da- are so He has good. the best data. I love it. Yeah. And he's backing it all up, baby. Come get some. Come get some That's of that, LeBron. So James. good. <laughs> all right. We love you guys. Uh, thank you very much for, li- uh, for listening. And for Dr. Will Wu and for the heavy metaler Nick Cazono, this is DJ San Marco saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road.